0: So good morning again, for those of you who have just joined, my name is Fu Schrader. I am the abbess at Green Gulch Farms and Center in Marin County, California. You're all welcome to visit if you can. And as many of you know, I have been a guest of Gil Fronsdale, your teacher, um, during this three-week intensive meditation, intensive that Gil, myself, and another good friend, Paul Haller, have been offering called The Harmony of Zen and Vipassana. So um, I can safely say that this has been a wonderful way to share the Dharma with old friends who for a long time now have been intent on following the path, the Buddha path together You know, with all of you. So this is the last day of our intensive. We close tomorrow with a talk that Gil and I are going to share on the Zen Center website, and you're very welcome to join us. Um, Having spent these last four days of the intensive talking about right conduct, Shila, and about the Bodhisattva vow and the 16 Bodhisattva precepts, this morning, I wanna share with you a story of an actual Bodhisattva, the one, the story that brought me closer into practice and by and by the decision to stay. So when I first came to Zen Center many decades ago now, I was told there would be a full moon ceremony on the roof of the Beginner's Mind Temple in San Francisco where I had been going to practice meditation for about a year. I thought the ceremony was pretty strange and it was also very rigorous. There are about 29 full bows, full prostrations uh, that take place from the beginning of the ceremony till the end and a lot of chanting. And as it turned out, the full moon ceremony is one of the oldest of rituals that has been continuously practiced since the time of the Buddha. The monks who practiced off in in solitary meditation, uh, when the moon was full, they could come together. That was like their clock. So they could join together in a clearing and uh, offer their confessions and repentance and promise to do better. So the monks and the nuns and the laity actually would gather four times in the old days uh, at each of the phases of the moon. But the full moon uh, was the one that was most, most common, and we've recently done that as well, and it continues to this day, in order for us also to reflect on our practice and to recommit ourselves to the holy life, and in particular to the 16 bodhisattva precepts the three refuges, uh, the three pure precepts, and the ten grave, or clear mind precepts. So back to years ago, uh, that particular evening, up on the roof of the Zen Center, the person who was leading the ritual began by telling us a story from a collection called the Jataka Tales, in which the Buddha's former lives in both human and animal form are recounted. These stories are particularly popular with children in that humans and animals in the stories are virtuous and brave, and their leader often gives their own life to save the lives of others, just as Salman Guna had done in Thailand about five years ago. That leader in a future life turns out to be none other than Chakyamuni Buddha. So often the Jataka tales include an extensive cast of characters who get into all kinds of trouble, whereupon the Bodhisattva intervenes to resolve all the problems and bring about a happy ending. You know, this is the kind of stories I think we all like best. So here's the one that altered the course of my own life. Once long, long ago, a monkey, an otter, a jackal, and a rabbit resolved to practice charity on the day of the full moon, believing that a demonstration of great virtue would earn them a great deal of merit. When an old man entered the forest begging for food, the monkey gathered fruit from the trees, and the otter collected fish, while the jackal pilfered a pot of milk curd from a nearby farmhouse, having called out in a not-so-very-loud voice, Does this belong to anyone? Well, the rabbit, on the other hand, who knew only how to gather grass, felt very sad at having nothing to offer the old man, until realizing that she could offer her own body, by throwing herself onto the fire that the old man had built to keep himself warm. And just as the rabbit leapt into the air, the old man revealed himself to be Chakra, the lord of the gods, who then saves the rabbit by transforming the flames into lotus petals. Chakra, being deeply touched by the rabbit's virtue, uses a nearby mountain to form the likeness of the rabbit on the face of the moon for all to see. It's said that the lunar image is still draped in the smoke that arose when the rabbit cast herself into the flames. I don't know how many of you have looked at the moon to see the rabbit. I think mostly in the West, who are taught to see an old man's face. But the rabbit's there. It's a quite a wonderful full body, the ears, the haunches. And next time the moon is full, take a look, see if you can find the rabbit. Anyway, this story of the bodhisattva giving her life <clears throat> for the welfare of another had a big impact on me at the time, and when my life it had really kind of worn out trying to get something or somebody who would make me truly happy. So it was a remarkable idea to me that giving could be the true source of happiness for a human being, you know, like me, rather than getting So the next step was to try and understand what it means to truly give. Alongside the bodhisattva vow and precepts are a set of six practices for training a bodhisattva for a life devoted to the welfare of others. And among these practices is dana, paramita, the perfection of giving. The first of what are called the six perfections. So these six perfections can be thought of as the kind of bodhisattva training program a program that was explained by the Buddha in very simple language so that almost anyone could understand and practice them. So these six, giving, the first, morality or ethics, right conduct, the second, patience, enthusiasm, concentration, and wisdom. So they can also be thought of as antidotes or antibodies to what the Dalai Lama has called our pathological emotions, greed, hate, and delusion. So giving is what conquers greed. Patience conquers hate and wisdom conquers delusion. The other three perfections involved in transforming our afflictive emotions are the perfection of ethics of morality, the perfection of enthusiasm, we all need that, and the perfection of concentration. So all six perfections are packaged together in a particular order, so that each in turn supports the next. For example, giving supports ethics, as in giving your word, or giving your fair share. And ethics supports patience, as in, for example, waiting patiently for your turn, or waiting. For negative feelings to subside before you speak or take action. The perfection of patience supports the perfection of enthusiasm by helping us to find a balanced response to the arising of our human passions, our likes and our dislikes. The perfection of enthusiasm, in turn, supports our ongoing commitment to a life dedicated to the well being of others, a life concentrated on the practice of the six perfections. A life of becoming who we are truly meant to be. Bodhisattvas, hard at work for the well-being of the entire world. So such a life is manifested in the story that I shared with you of how the image of the bunny got onto the moon. And although we can't really see a vow or an intention to live by vowing, such a vow informs everything that we do in our life and in society. It informs how we work and the kind of work that we do and our collective effort to take care of it all. So work as practice, which is easy to say, but it's not so easy to do. Learning to engage in work as practice is at times even harder than the work itself. This is something we specialize in at Green Gulch Farm. There's lots of work. And yet, as the Buddha famously said, enlightenment is the path is what we do. And the path is enlightenment. In other words, awakening is a direct reflection of how we are living our life each and every day. The mind that is distracted, lustful or hateful can't see the path of liberation right before your eyes. And yet the Buddha hangs out with minds that are distracted, hateful and lustful in order to show us the way of kindness and generosity, selflessness and peace. The very thing I think we are trying to do here as well. You know, hang out with our minds and together show the way to peaceful abiding. Together. And for Zen Master Dogen, the founder of my tradition called Soto Zen, awakening is seated meditation. Is the Bodhisattva precepts. Is learning the backward step that turns your light inwardly. Is the practice realization of totally culminated enlightenment. So thank you all so much for your kind attention. I've really been enjoying coming to be at Gil's place for this week. So I wish you all the best and please take care and please enjoy sitting as much as you can. Kevin, if there are any questions, I'd be happy to respond.
1: Sure. Um, we actually have one from uh, um, Eric on from YouTube. He was wondering about the differences between um, Vipassana and Zen.
0: Mm. Such a great question. <laughs> As we've been talking about for three weeks, you know, it's so wonderful. Um, you know, we share the root. We're all disciples of the Buddha. You know, whatever happened under that tree. The morning he woke up and he didn't really tell us too much other than something like "I on all beings are enlightened at the same time. Yeah. There was a non-dual realization between what he saw, the star, and himself. It wasn't separate. It wasn't outside of himself and neither was anything else. So that's the foundation for Buddhism. Buddhism means awake, for being awake. So, you know, awakism and Zen and Vipassana are both devoted to awakening, you know, to what the Buddha saw and how he behaved. So that's the other side. I think one of the things I've enjoyed looking at between Zen and Vipassana is Vipassana clearly, you know, it's, as Gil was saying, it's retreat practice. He teaches people who are on retreat. So you can get really concentrated when you're not doing anything else in the day, we have sashins, which are very similar. I think those two experiences for all of us are, are pretty pretty close because you know human beings are the same. So sitting for a week, uh, paying attention to your mind is is uh, common ground. Uh, maybe what's a little different and not different because of any reason other than it's not the kind of teaching that uh, Gil or many Vipassana retreats don't actually know take you outside and and do some work together so zen is really focused on work practice a day of no work is a day of no food what they said in china Uh, the monks couldn't just spend the day meditating they needed to feed themselves it was a really different cultural climate so by the time buddhism got to china it became uh, very much uh, ingrained in the activities of daily life. And I think we spend a good deal of our teaching time talking about how to work uh, in a meditative, you know, with, with the influence of your meditation without falling into a kind of enchantment so that you can't actually cut the carrots. You know, some people sometimes think that uh, cutting carrots in a meditative way is, is like really slow. You know, we'd never get lunch out. You know? so, so we really oftentimes will put somebody who's More you know seasoned cook on the opposite side of the table from a new student who's going like this, and then the person over there is you know is going like that. (laughs) So we're trying to demonstrate that speed is not the issue; it's focus, concentration. Like Simone Beals doing her routine, you know she's concentrated and she's moving. So I think that combination of movement and meditation is what these two traditions emphasize. and there's probably a lot more than that, but that's what comes to mind.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we've got a question uh, uh, for you. Since you started practice, did you ever leave the practice? What precipitated leaving and what brought you back?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good. Well, I left because I adopted a baby. <laughs> I didn't leave the practice. I mean, babysitting, right? Uh, I needed practice more than ever having a, a little infant who was very tiny and kind of, um, you know, she wasn't well, she she had uh, some issues at birth, she's cerebral palsy, and she's uh, has other issues that I don't need to go into. But anyway, she's fantastic. She's going to be 28 next week and we will be home. She lives in LA. Uh, she's great, great human being. So for a couple of years, I was home feeding the baby, doing things that you do when you have a young child. Um, And I don't think I stopped practicing. I just wasn't going to the Zendo for that time. I was, you know, work, work practice. And then what brought me back into the Zendo, I still lived in the community. I've been a resident there for 40 years. So gratefully so. Um, So I was able to go back and, Take a, a, another leadership position when, when my da- daughter was old enough to sleep through the night. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I don't really think I've taken a break. I don't think there are breaks, actually. Once you start to practice, uh, and it's what Gil has taught, and I think is really brilliant, entering the stream is, you know, entering the stream or the current of a river. And once you enter the current, you're in a life of practice. And that's what stream entering really means. I'm no longer driven by a life of karma, you know, choosing whatever is my selfish view. I'm actually streaming. I'm in the current of a life of vow, of what I promised. You know, I, I made promises to live for the benefit of others. Just like that story I told about the rabbit. I liked that story. I thought, well, I can do that. Maybe I could give myself to something that I care about. So we never stop, really. I do go on vacation. <laughs> so, you know.
1: And one final question. Um, <clears throat> the link uh, for the Saturday talks, do you know where people might be able to find that?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Zen Center website. There's lots of stuff on there, and it, it tells you just what to do, what, what buttons to push.
1: Ah, okay, that's the San Francisco Zen Center. San
0: Francisco Zen Center. Yeah, Yeah, lots of programs there, too, if you're interested in some of the things. We're doing a lot of interesting things these days, particularly around uh, BIPOC community and inviting teachers of color and talking about the issues of our day, which we have to do, of course.
1: Great. Yeah, that's for everyone else here. um, That is, if you go to the San Francisco Zen Center website, it's under the calendar. And then if you um, look under Saturday, May 8th, uh, so that's going to start at 10 a.m. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. Oh, well, okay. thank you very much. Thank
0: you all. Uh, please take care. It's been it's been just wonderful to to know you're out there, even though I can't see you <laughs> and other uh, YouTube people. Um, anyway, many blessings.